It's time for JT the Brick. Hi. I don't like to go to Kansas City a lot. I'm not saying it's a great atmosphere. I've been there and done that. This week is all about the Chiefs, and we know it's the toughest game on the schedule, JT. Every year, if you've been listening to me for 20 minutes or over 20 years, you know I freak out about misdirection. Misdirection is the word I use during the Kansas City week because that's what Kansas City does because it works against this organization up until now. Run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. JT the Brick. You play the game like you're trying to win. Within the first five to ten plays of the game, the other team's quarterback must go down, and he must go down hard. Act like a fan, but come in sharp and smart and put together the game plan here over the next couple of days and give me your impression on how the Raiders win this game. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back, everybody. JT in Vegas, hour number two of the show on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. We're brought to you by Modelo, the beer I drink with the fighting spirit. Whenever I think of Modelo, I think of Jim Plunkett. I think of Tom Flores. I think of the history of the silver and black. Modelo, proud partner of our show, as Bob Fesco is going to join us here in a minute. In Kansas City, we're looking for the game plan. I'm going to get you all up. I have a nice window between Bob and Vinny at the bottom of the hour. We're looking for one key to the game. And what the Raiders need to do to be in the game against Kansas City to have a chance to win it in the second half. I think that would be the key to this whole conversation Kansas City is running it for 117 yards a game. And in passing yards, they're you know, 267, which is not Buffalo, but it's pretty good. It's pretty good. And they're, they're in a good spot because they're balanced. They are a balanced team, and they're off to a decent start this year from their standards. And they're on top of the AFC West. And as we told you before the start of the season, Kansas City is the best team in the AFC West until someone knocks them off. Bob Fesco, kind enough to join us from 610 Sports Radio in Kansas City. And, Bob, you and I have been in the ring together for many times over the last couple of years, and the Chiefs have the advantage in this battle with the Raiders in the Mahomes era. How do the Chiefs look so far the first quarter of the season? Well, I think they look as, as good as I thought they were going to look this year. I mean, I, I heard you talking just kind of the lead-up, and you said the Chiefs are still the best team in this division. It's nice to hear somebody, you know, outside of Kansas City realize that the Chiefs are still the best team in this division. And coming from a Raider guy, too, that means a lot to me. I'm pretty excited about that, JT. But I thought they'd be a really good football team. Just because you lose one weapon on offense doesn't mean – you throw everything out and you have to start over and you have to be a new team. As long as Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes are together, it's going to be hard for anybody to unseat this football team. Yeah, for Raider fans, they're excited that, you know, Honey Badger is one thing, but to have Tyreek Hill out of this equation compared to what he did to the Raiders in the past is a big thing because of the misdirection, putting him in motion, the fact that he can do things behind the line of scrimmage. The Raiders don't face a player over the last four or five years, even longer, that can do what Tyreek Hill can do how have they replaced them well they've done it a lot differently and i was just actually going through some numbers for tomorrow's show that we're going to talk about and and i saw this list of like big plays that have been given up so far in the nfl and you look at where the chiefs are when it comes to big plays you know runs over 10 passes over 20 they're right in the middle of the pack and that's what i said going into the year was going to be the chiefs they're going to you know kind of dink and dunk it down the field this year and the big play is going to be more of a novelty than it's going to be the norm for this organization and so instead of just having to worry about you know garden tyreek deep well now you got travis kelsey who's playing better football than he i think he has in the last few years he's been awesome last mm-hmm. week was just so special to watch 
MVS and Juju Smith-Schuster finally came on last week and showed some chemistry with Patrick Mahomes. And the running backs are really running the ball well, too. I mean, Isaiah Pacheco and Clyde Edwards-Alaire ran as hard and with a purpose as I've ever seen two running backs in the same game on the same team do. And Patrick Mahomes, I mean, my goodness, he's, he's AFC Player of the Week on the offensive side two of the first four weeks, and they put up 41 points against what was the best defense. So they're finding ways to do it. They're just getting everybody else involved, even Justin Watson, who was you know left to – to go by the new, by the uh, the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks last year has come in and contributed. I mean, it's been crazy to watch all of these different players go out there and do some good things. Bob Fesco is our guest, six ten Sports Radio in Kansas City. So, from a Raider perspective, when you see Devontae Adams come over in the offseason, Waller got paid. Hunter Renfro's been in the protocol now for two weeks, but he's a hell of a slot receiver. And you got Josh McDaniels, the only coach ever who's a non-head coach to win six Super Bowls. You know that the Raiders, and you've seen Derek Carr at least have one big game at Arrowhead. What is the perspective in Kansas City on this Raiders offense? Because I think the Raiders have an offense when, in regards to star players who match up with Kansas City. Well, and, and I think I, I look at you know what the, the Chiefs are doing on defense right now, and they're the number one rushing defense in the NFL, which makes me laugh a little bit because they did play a game last week where there were six carries for three yards, so that kind of affects things a little bit. But they're playing really good on the defensive side of the ball. I think this is the best defense the Chiefs have have put out there against the Raiders since Steve Spagnuolo was taken over. Maybe the best mm-hmm. defense of the Andy Reid era. They're young and they're fast. Now, they do have some injury situation things to talk about with, you know, Mike Dana, one of their better defensive linemen. He's going to be out. Obviously, Willie Gay Jr. is going to miss his third straight game. Trent McDuffie, their number one draft pick, is going to be out. Obviously, he got hurt a couple of weeks ago. He's on that short-term IR right now. But they're playing really good defense. Justin Reed's been a very nice signing coming over, Mm -hmm. you know, from the Houston Texans. Nick Bolton plays better and better each and every week. And when Chris Jones takes over a game on that defensive line, it seems like this defense is unstoppable and nobody can score against them. So I think they got as good a defense as they've ever had. And, yeah, the Raiders have those weapons. But from from my standpoint, I still need to see Josh McDaniels do it as a head coach Mm -hmm. in this league and not as an offensive coordinator. Tell me more about Bolton, who in four games here has 37 tackles, 25 solos, two sacks, three tackles for losses, his backstory and what he's doing here. He's been an X-factor leading this team in tackles. Well, he's, he's wearing the green dot, JP, yeah. in his second year. I mean, it, it's, it's insane. Do we have four hours? Because I can talk about Nick Bolton all day. He's become one of my favorite players. And he wears number 32 at that inside linebacker position, which just looks cool, you know, running mm-hmm. out there with that number on. It just looks awesome. But he's a kid from Missouri that was a second-round draft pick a year ago. And they've loved this kid from the start. And there were two veterans kind of, I don't want to say in his way, but when you have Anthony Hitchens, you know, Ben Neiman, who, who are very, very good football players, not great, but very good, you know, the system, all that kind of stuff. They got the nod last year over Nick Bolton, but everybody knew Bolton was going to be good. I don't know that we thought he was going to be 10 tackles per game good. I mean, he's like Derek Johnson at that spot. Like, you don't notice it all that much during the game. Like, there's not the, the spectacular moment. But you look at the stat sheet at the end of the game, you're like, there he is again, another 10 tackles and a couple tackles for losses for Nick Fulton. Like, he just has a nose for the football. He's quick, he's fast, he's young, he's energetic. Again, he's wearing that green dot, so you know what they think of the kid. I mean, he's just been a superstar at that middle linebacker spot. Bob Vesco, very successful, long-term sports radio host in Kansas City on 610. What's going on with the enemy? What's the real story? Because... We got a guy named Mike Pritchard out here who played with the enemy. He was a brilliant college player. They played together at Colorado on that Mm -hmm. national championship team. And I've always said, look, 
if the enemy didn't do a good job interviewing two or three years ago, say he's getting beat on the whiteboard by other coaches coming in and losing a job or two, I get it. But it's been a while now, and we saw you know, Mahomes getting a little chippy with him at the end of a half here. Why hasn't he moved on and left Andy Reid and become a head coach? Well, I, I think Andy would ask that same question. Mm. I, I think they thought he was probably going to graduate the last couple of years into one of those head coaching jobs, but just hasn't been given that opportunity. And, you know, I, I think a, a lot of it, he, he uses a lot of cliches and stuff like that when he's speaking to the media. Maybe he does that, you know, in job interviews. I don't know, but I, I feel like Eric Bieniemy would be a very good head coach mm. in this league. And, I, you know, him and Patrick Mahomes, yeah, they got into a little, you know, spout over there on the sidelines. I'd be more upset if they didn't get into a little kind of discussion over there on the sidelines because sometimes you need dissenting views to try to figure out what's going on. But there also may be the Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid factor too, JT. Like you look at the offense right now and everybody knows it's Patrick Mahomes and it's Andy Reid. How much is Eric Bieniemy doing? And maybe that's kind of a shadow of a doubt in some people's minds as well that it really is Andy Reid. It really is Patrick Mahomes. And Eric Bieniemy, yes, is offensive coordinator by name, but maybe he's not as involved with the success of the offense as the other two. It's the only thing I can think of right now. You know, the Raiders just beat Russell Wilson, and that team's a mess. They, they, oh, the, Ra- the Raiders played him well. Josh Jacobs ran it. We'll talk about that tomorrow on your show. 144 yards and two touchdowns, and he really ran hard. I mean, he had a big game, and Carr ran it seven times, which normally he doesn't do, and he ran really effectively, even though he didn't throw a touchdown in that game. When I look at the Raiders... What do you say on your show when other teams come into Arrowhead and their philosophy is pretty much the same? Embrace the shootout if we have to, but we want to run the ball and keep Kansas City on the sideline. You go to these games, and even if a team goes on as like 12-play, seven-minute drive and scores, Mahomes can score in 50 seconds, and it throws that uh, theory out the window. Well, and also they're playing good rushing defense right now. It's going to be a topic we have on our show tomorrow, actually, about the about the rushing defense. And like I said earlier, yeah, you got that six you know play three yard thing from last week. But if this team continues to play good run defense, you're not going to be able to go on one of those twelve play drives and just milk the clock and take all that time off because they're going to force you into three and outs and they're going to force you into you know third and sevens and third and eights if they keep playing the, this run defense the way they are. I think that's the worst sign for the NFL right now. Not that Patrick Mahomes is just fine without Tyree Kill, but the fact that this defense is getting better and they're not letting anybody run on them. Other teams are going, oh my God, how do we keep Mahomes off the field now if we can't even run the football? Yeah, 65.8 yards a game. They're giving up rushing. San Francisco second. We just saw them. And Buffalo is third and fourth to Cincinnati. And oh, nothing. They went to the Super Bowl winning the AFC. So expectations finally there in Kansas City. I mean, you have the right to say Super Bowl every year. I think Buffalo last year, if that 13 seconds wasn't at Arrowhead and maybe in Orchard Park, uh, Buffalo could go on and go to the Super Bowl. Does Kansas City, are they just looking at Buffalo now as the, as the peer group now to beat them to get to the Super Bowl? Yeah, I, I think it's Kansas City and Buffalo right now mm-hmm. in, in the AFC. I mean, I look around and, you know, everybody thought Cincinnati would, you know, re- rebound nicely off the Super Bowl. They haven't done a whole heck of a lot. It looks like Tennessee's kind of fallen back to the pack. This vaunted AFC West, I know the 0-3 start by the Raiders is going to get talked about. They're a much better football yes, team than an 0-3, 1-3 type of football team. I think sometimes the, the record at the beginning of the season skews how we view teams, and you can never take this Raider team lightly. But I can tell you this right now, the Denver Broncos are the worst team by far in this division, and it's not even close. I mean, they've got some serious things 
that they need to work on and probably having some buyer's remorse with their quarterback as well right now. So, yeah, I, I do, JT, ultimately think it is the Bills. I do think it's Kansas City. I think everybody wants, you know, outside of a, you know, a diehard fan for another team, everybody would love to see that as another AFC championship game. And, you know, I'm sure a lot of people would be rooting for the Bills to get some sort of revenge in that one. But, yeah, I think it does. It has to come down to those two. And we were kind of talking about it today. I think the NFL is going to try to find a way to move one of the Chiefs or the Bills into the NFC so we can have that as the Super Bowl. There you go. Thanks, Bob. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning. Thanks for coming on. All right, bud. Appreciate it, man. You, Thanks you got so much. It. Bob Fesco, 610 Morning Show host in Kansas City. I'll appear on his show. It's a trade. I trade. He comes on here. I go on there. And tomorrow I got to go in behind enemy lines and and represent the Raider Nation at one and three. And believe me, I'm the guy to do it. It isn't a joke interview. I'll go in there and tell them what the Raiders need to do to win. But they got to play great. They have to play great. And the rest of this week is how do they play great? I think for Josh McDaniels and Derek Carr, this is what the entire offseason was about, wasn't it? 4-0 in the preseason. Derek didn't play. Everybody's healthy. You got Waller signed to an extension. You trade for Devontae. He comes in, use these toys and these weapons and go out. And go out big. I mean, go down swinging or win the game swinging. But don't tell me this is a conservative game, all right? Don't tell me this is a game where you're holding back a play. Whatever you got, put it out there. And I think the Raiders are going to have a great week of practice as they're very confident now coming off that win or more confident. Fish in Berkeley, good to talk to you, Fish. How you been? Uh, well, much better now, JT, now that we got that first W. But let me give you a few things on all three phases of the game, in my opinion. Number one, offense, Derek Carr, I like what I saw last week. Continue to run when there's a lane, when there's an opportunity to get first down. You go get him. That's going to be big this week. I'm talking huge. Now, special teams, we need to crack off a huge return or a touchdown. Now, the magic in the sauce got to be defense because, like you just said, this whole offseason is about, man, it's about these dudes have been knocking the eye patch off our logo for too long. I'm tired of trying to match intensity. We need to surpass intensity, and we need to get creative. Put Harmon in at safety. Mm-hmm. Bring Abrams in as a linebacker exclusively and ride the Amik Robertson momentum train as a spy. That's what I think we need to do. We need to get unconventional on defense, and I guarantee you a win if we generate two turnovers. That's it right there, in my opinion, JT. I love you. Love that call. Really good call. You know, it's interesting. Again, I reference Ryder Mort and other people that have been following this team. You know, Mort tells me he wants to see a 4-6-1. What is that? He goes, well, four down linemen. And I'd like to see six corners, like hybrid corners. Someone like Jonathan Abram, move him up to linebacker. Whatever you want to do, draw it up. Just draw it up and go with it. These are football players in the NFL. They'll play any position you ask them to. Play hybrid, play multiple positions. Keep these legs fresh. Other than Max, look, I feel for Max. Max is going on a bye week after this. He's cool. Max is fine. But the key with Max is get the other rotation in there and get these guys to do it. Our defensive tackles are big guys. Okay, they don't have Howie Long waist at 36. Howie Long was a big-ass guy, and he didn't have an ounce of fat on him. And he could run inside. Remember Greg Townsend, how big and strong he was? He can continue to run and run and run all day. Not a lot of NFL players can do that anymore. 
702-365-9200. Gangster Raider, Chiefs Week here on the flagship of the Raiders. What's happening, JT? We need to run the ball down their throats. I need Jacobs to have another two-touchdown on game. I need Zamir White to get a touchdown. Matter of fact, I need every running back that's on the active roster, I want to see them get at least two carries and at least um, 10 to 15 yards a carry. And also, I need Derek Carr to step up. I thought he was going to average at least three touchdowns a game, and he hasn't done that yet. But this is the game I need him to throw for three touchdowns, one to Adam, one to Waller, and one to um, Mac or Renfro if, if, if Renfro is back. If not, we need that one for Mac. And I also want to see Mac returning some punts. Because I think he'll be good to return punts because he's a bigger body receiver. And once he gets the punt, I think he could take it to the house. You know what I'm saying? And I think we need um, Trayvon Morg to spy um, Kelsey. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Wherever he goes, I want Morg following him. And um, we need somebody hitting him. As soon as he comes off the line, he, he, he shouldn't get any free release off the line. Somebody needs to hit him every time he comes off the line. No free release. And uh, have Trevor Morg beating him. You know what I'm saying? That's our defense. If we win the um, towing cost to start the game, we need to defer and hey, 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 hey. We need to defer and um, come out with a three and out. If we get a three and out and um, come out at the halftime, because if we score before the halftime, we get the ball back and score, that'll be a good chance for us to beat the Chiefs. And we got to beat them. You know what I'm saying? Ain't no way around it. We got to beat the Chiefs. We got to do like we did last time we beat them in Kansas City. And we're going to run the bus around the city again. You know what I'm saying? I mean, around the stadium again. You know what I'm saying? I know Josh McDaniels probably ain't going to want to do it, but we're going to do it anyway. You know what I'm saying? Let's keep it gangster, y'all, and let's get this win. As you were, I'm gone. Yeah, a couple of things here when you look at this. First off, there's going to be no bus trip around the stadium and no one's going to stop. I know. No one's going to stomp, no one's going to stomp on the logo. Okay, there's no stomping on the logo. Okay? So let's get that out of the way. Respect the opponent going there and win the game outright. But Gangster makes a good point about running the ball. If you can run the ball, run it hard early, but Kansas City has the best run defense. I'm happy I had Bob Fesco on. He just told me I brought it up. I have the stats in front of me. I'm on the middle of the uh, beginning of the prep. I will get that question in tomorrow to Josh McDaniels when I interview him. 65 yards a game they're giving up rushing. They've only given up 263 yards this season on the ground. So let's find Las Vegas. Raiders aren't bad. They're at 103.3, kind of in the beginning of the middle of the pack. And the Raiders, uh, when it comes to giving up passing yards per game, they're giving up 253, and Kansas City's giving up 263. So statistically on defense, you know Kansas City's number one in the NFL in rushing defense. But Kansas City's given up 24 points a game. 24 points, and the Raiders are giving up 25. One point differential there, and what I think is the most important stat that I look up every week. How many points are you giving up a game? That tells you who you are. And we've been sitting here with Gus Bradley, and before that, Jack Del Rio, and other defensive coordinators, and now Patrick Dram, going, why is this number still high? Why can't this number get down to 22, 21, 20, 19? What's it going to take? And I know what it's going to take. It's going to take Dave Ziegler having another draft and another year of free agency. You don't want to hear that going into Kansas City. You don't want to know that Dave Ziegler has got to have another draft where he's got to get a safety or a corner, and he's got to get maybe someone in the middle who's more athletic to play defensive tackle. Then he's got to get another offensive lineman and maybe a trade. The roster is getting reshuffled and rebuilt, everyone. okay? They don't want the same roster that Mike Mayock and John Gruden had. They don't. And John Gruden and Mike Mayock did not want the roster before that they inherited. That's what coaches do. They want their players. 
And what I think I like a lot about Dave Ziegler is they looked at the players who were here that they liked. They extended them. They gave them the bag. They gave them the money. So they'll be here. And, and that's important. It's tough for me right now to sit here and try to preach what the plan is because I know the plan. But sports radio fans don't give a crap. They care about carne asada tailgates, Modelo's, their tickets, right? Who's performing at halftime and the, and the record, win-loss record. But when you can see what the organization is trying to pivot to do, I think you'd be pretty encouraged other than the record. Can you imagine if the Raiders held on and didn't collapse against Arizona and we were sitting here 2-2? Two and two? They would be leading off tonight on NFL, all these NFL shows. It'd be the 2-2 two and two Raiders at the 3-1 and one Kansas City Chiefs. The media's not giving the Raiders any respect because they're 0-3. This would flip the NFL completely if they can win this game. And if they don't win the game... Because I think they can. They'd be 1-4 going into the bye week. And then I look at the schedule of all the teams that they had. I said no playoff talk on this show. I'll tell you, I'll hang up. You mentioned it. You hung out, hang up on you. We're not going to talk playoffs. But after the bye week, you got to look at the teams and how they're playing as of now. After the bye week, Texans, the Saints are a mess. Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston didn't practice today. At the Jaguars. They're going to stay out east. The Colts are Jekyll and Hyde at the Broncos, at the Seahawks, Chargers at home at the Rams, Patriots, Steelers, Niners, and Chiefs. I told you, and you hear the promo here, the front of the schedule was loaded and the back of the schedule is loaded. So coming off the bye week, this team's got to win five of six or four of five. Okay? That means every game. It's not like, hey, man, we lose one, you win one. No, no, no. They got to go on a run after the bye week where they win four or five and just lose one. And I think the schedule sets up for them to do that if they're playing well coming off the bye week. But they better be hitting the ground running. I mean, that Texans game better be over at halftime. They better slaughter the Texans in that game and then feel really good about going to New Orleans and Jacksonville playing teams that don't have elite rosters. They're good teams. They don't have better rosters than the Raiders. They don't. And the Raiders are going to have to go on one of the most important road trips they've been on in years because they're not coming back. They're going to the Saints, not coming back to Vegas. They're going right to Jacksonville. They're going to be gone for two weeks, bonding, playing, and hopefully winning. And then they have the Colts at home, and that's going to be big time. Vinny Bonsignor joins us coming up as we're rolling through this show. Absolutely rolling today, Bobby. Good job as always. As we are brought to you by our great friends. I mean, not good friends. Great friends at Grimaldi's. Grimaldi's gift card. I got a $50 Grimaldi's gift card for the best Raider call today or tomorrow on how to win the game. You got to be a local in Vegas, and I can get you the hookup. Here's the 1-1. Swung on. There it goes. Deep left. It is high. It is far. It is gone. Number 62 to set the new American League record. Aaron Judge hits his 62nd. All the Yankees out of the dugout to greet him. Just think of it. Three Yankee right fielders. The Babe hitting 60 and 27. The Jolly Roger hitting 61 and 61. 
And now Aaron Judge hits his 62nd home run, the most home runs any American leaguer has hit in a single season. And the American League has been alive for 120 years. This is Judgment Day. Case closed. John Sterling, Yankees Radio, as Aaron Judge is the new home run king, in my opinion. And if there's one topic I think I'm a borderline expert on, just my opinion, not yours, is the steroid era. I was on the radio the entire steroid era. Barry Bonds, Mark McGuire, and Sammy Sosa knowingly took performance-enhancing drugs to break the home run record and to make excess, excess money in marketing, money, and fame. They didn't do it to win the Triple Crown. They didn't do it to help their team win. They did it purposely to break the home run record. So they're cheats. And they cheated. Now, Aaron Judge looks to be clean. If he remains clean, he's the all-time home run king. I'm shocked. I did a whole entire show on this last night. That was supposed to be about Judge, and now it's about is Bonds the real king or not. If you were alive in 2001, and some people weren't, but if you were alive in 2001 living in San Francisco like I did, and if you didn't see that up close, that Bonds was connected with Victor Conti and Balco and the clear and the cream and the PEDs that he did, not in the Hall of Fame, has pretty much disappeared from society. If you don't think that Barry Bonds completely knows that he cheated taking performance-enhancing drugs, everybody in the baseball writer's wing of the Hall of Fame knows he cheated and took performance-enhancing drugs, then you're protecting Bonds and saying he's the home run king even though he cheated. So whenever you have a conversation, barbecue, sports bar, wherever, and you're looking at a Bonds fan, and you look at him and go, oh, oh by the way, you think he's the home run king? Do you think he cheated? They, the first thing they say is, hum, hum, blah, blah, blah. they can't even say anything because they were all there in the ballpark, and I was there, and they were on their feet, and they were drinking cold beer and Gilroy garlic fries, and they were clapping unanimously. They love being a part of the story. They believe they were a part of the story, so they're going down in flames with Bonds. Bonds cheated more than McGuire and Sosa because McGuire and Sosa cheated, and Bonds got so bleeping jealous so jealous that he went even crazier cheating to take his numbers and skew it more than anybody. Aaron Judge is the home run king because he's not tainted. That's my opinion. Okay, now let's bring in Vinny Bonsignor. Brought to us by all of Vinny's partners because he's unbelievable on the radio at the Review Journal, Vegas Nason. Vinny, you might disagree with me. Where do you stand? You're a National League guy. Where do you stand on the home run chase? Yeah, um, I'll never forget having a, a conversation with the uh, former uh, Texas Rangers pitcher and, and Angels pitcher, uh, C.J. Young. Uh, I think I'm saying that name correctly, but he was a union rep. Uh, and he told me about how it kind of got to a point where the guys that were clean were starting to look at their own union and say, why are you protecting the cheaters at the expense of us? And that's where we really started getting the ball rolling finally on actual blood testing to find out who was cheating and who wasn't. Because as CJ told me, look, I'm not a guy that's going to throw 100 miles an hour. I'm okay. I'm a 95, 93-mile-an-hour guy that has to work behind the count. i got to throw curveballs and fastball counts and fastballs and curveballs counts. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. Other guys were not okay with whatever level of talent they had, so they had to do something extra. But it can't, And if you're ever wondering about this argument, because I'm with you, Think of the guys that got stuck in AAA and got beat out for jobs by guys that were doing something that was illegal um, at the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, 
we all want to fixate on who's the home run champion and everything like that. To me, it's Hank Aaron, and now the season, uh, you know, for the season, uh, definitely Aaron Judge. Think about guys who lost jobs because they made a decision, whether it was for morals, mm-hmm. health reasons, they don't cheat, whatever the case might be, that never got to where they probably could have gotten to because somebody that was cheating beat them out. Just I ask people just to think of those, think of it along those lines, and ask yourself, was it right? what some of these guys did. You know, Vinny, good conversation here. And the, the way I see it is I'm a big fan of an asterisk. I have no problem with an asterisk because you can put Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. You could put Bonds in. You can put them all in with an asterisk, and it doesn't take it away. But you've been a, a ardent baseball fan your entire life. There's no chance Bonds gets to 520, 550, anywhere near Willie Mays, let alone passing Willie Mays and Henry Aaron without performance-enhancing drugs. So when everyone says, well, he was a Hall of Famer before, you're right. But there's a penalty phase in life. If you cheat on your wife, if you cheat on your taxes, if you cheat the government, whatever you do, you don't get away with it. There's some type of penalty phase, and the penalty phase for Bonds, A-Rod, Sosa, McGuire, all home run hitters, it's Cooperstown. They're not getting in, and that should end the debate. Yeah, I agree. I think it was Frank Thomas who said, look, I, I'm not sitting here saying that I work harder than everybody else, but it's hard for me to believe that there's a lot of people that work harder than I do. And I'm sitting over here at 50 home runs a season. I think he had you know, over 50 a couple of times. And I'm looking at dudes who I know they're not working, and they can't possibly be working any harder than I am. And they're hitting 70 home runs, 68 home Something's not right, you know. So uh, again, I just urge people to look at the fairness of it. Forget, um, you know, and, and and like what you're saying, put an asterisk next to it. Let it. Let everyone know that okay, they made this mark, but mm-hmm. there was help along the way, and it's okay to acknowledge that. We're not taking anything away from from him. The Barry Bonds is a Hall of Famer. Period. Uh, it, you know, for a yeah. lot of different reasons, statistically. But when it comes to the home run part of it, there was help that he got along the way, and that's just the truth of the matter. Vinny Bonsignor, as we get to the Raiders of Kansas City, one of the most frustrating things is the Raiders have brought in really good coaches and men to figure out Kansas City. It could go John Gruden Mayock, Jack Del Rio, Reggie McKenzie, Dave Ziegler, Josh McDaniels. They're all in the building trying to figure out how to beat Kansas City. I think it's a testament to Andy Reid and what their organization has done with Mahomes, and they got fortunate with Mahomes, to build an organization that is so explosive. Now, conversely, the Raiders tried to build an explosive offense with Henry Ruggs III before the accident, some other players, and now they trade for Devontae. They give Waller the money, so they're trying to match them in the arms race. How come it's not working out yet, Vinny? Well, um, at least for this version, we don't know if it did or not, and we're going to have a pretty good idea of it uh, okay. come Monday night. But, um, you know, if you're talking about years past, yes. talent issues, you know, um, you know, the, the Raiders missed out on a lot of those first-round picks, not just in the Gruden-Mayock uh, era, but, but going back beyond that, you know, there were a couple of guys that, that hit. But, but by and large, the Raiders just haven't, didn't, haven't drafted well, let's just say the last what. 11 years, just mm-hmm. look, let's look at it from that chunk. Uh, when you're talking about churning out high-end talent, I think we could all agree that they didn't do a very good job of that. We'll see where Dave Ziegler and, and, uh, and Josh McDaniels take it from here. Uh, but, but to me, when you looked at the Kansas City Chiefs and you looked at the Raiders, whether they were in Oakland or this early time in Las Vegas, there was just a talent deficiency. And obviously Patrick Mahomes 
uh, is hugely important. But we're going even further back than him, and the Raiders weren't able to compete necessarily against the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, you look at this year's Raiders team, and I look at the players that they have, and I'm a firm believer uh, that star-driven teams um, usually are pretty darn good. And I really believe offensively the Raiders uh, have some star players that I don't even think have really necessarily broken out, at least in a collective way, yet for the Raiders this year. So at some point that's going to happen. And if it happens on Monday night, you're going to have a heck of a football game on your hands. Vinny Bonsignor. So, Vinny, when you're in the press box for this game, what are you looking for in the first quarter, first half, that could stabilize the score in the game for the Raiders? Maybe the Raiders get out and are really explosive in the passing game, or they take the air out of the ball and run it with Josh. I think they just need to be balanced, number one. They've shown that they can get uh, into the red zone, and I think that they're going to be able to still do that against this Kansas City Chiefs team. So are you scoring more touchdowns or kicking more field goals when you get to the, Raider, uh, get to the red zone? I think this is, uh, it's imperative that the Raiders uh, stick it over the goal line you know, more often than not when they get into the red zone. And the Raiders have been doing a really good job of getting into the red zone. So that's number one. How are they functioning in that area of the field? I want to see, um, you know, how they rush Patrick Mahomes. I want to see who's going to defend uh, Travis Kelsey because, you know, yes, there's other wide, there's other weapons at the rate that the uh, Chiefs have, no question about it. But there's no Tyreek Hill, and I want to see what this offense looks like um, without Tyreek and with the Raiders doing a good job on Travis Kelsey. I'm not saying that they are going to do a good job on him, but I would imagine that. You know, when, when the Raiders, when Patrick Graham is looking at the Chiefs' offense and figuring out who do I really need to take away, it starts right there. And if you can it, uh, legitimately take him out or make life difficult for him and force it into the hands of some, some other players, I want to see those other players step up and see if they're even capable of stepping up. So rushing Patrick Mahomes, red zone offense, uh, and then how they're going to deal with Travis Kelsey. Uh, and if they can even that up, they're going to be um, in a pretty good position to win this game. Wrapping it up with Vinny Bonsignor. Vinny, I talked about it with all the insiders and guests I've had on this week on both shows about protocol going forward. You were in the front row for Josh McDaniels. I think it's evident around the league that Roger Goodell, as he was in the buildings in Cincinnati when Tua went down and had that hand spasm that we all know how they communicate amongst the owners, the league, that Goodell has made it clear do not mess this up with an individual player. If he's got to stay in protocol an extra week, he better be in protocol. Do you sense from your peers around the industry that that's what's happening here as players could be in protocol a little bit longer? Well, I mean, yes and no. I think that if you just follow the protocol, you're going to be in good shape. Mm -hmm. And we've seen with the Raiders, Hunter Renfro has missed two games. Andre James has missed two games. Okay, Nate Hobbs didn't miss any games. So every concussion is on a, it's, it's, it's unto itself. Not every concussion is the same. Um, and Nate Hobbs passed every single test uh, that was required, and it's an extensive process. Andre James sat in front of his locker and told us how extensive that was. He was able to pass and get cleared for the game on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Hunter and Andre didn't. They've missed two games. So I, I, I want to, talking to people in the NFL, it feels like the Miami Dolphins just messed that whole thing up. Somewhere along the line, there was a major slip-through, okay? But that doesn't mean every team is doing that or that you have to make massive changes. Now, I'm all for, always, and talk to Jakob Johnson about this, one of the Raiders' uh, you know, player reps, there, there, there can always be more that you can do, and as technology keeps 
you know, uh, improving and testing keeps improving. Let's always stay on that path to try to perfect this and try to keep getting better at it. But I think the league is in a pretty decent place right now in how they handle concussions. It's just up to each team to do that. Talking to Raider players, they were supremely impressed with the care, uh, with the meticulousness that the Raiders um, have, have addressed and adhered to the protocols. Uh, the Miami Dolphins, it sounds like there was a breakdown there. But we can't just look at one incident and think that that's the way it's going on in 31 other buildings because I don't think that that's the case. Vinny, finally, what's going on with your partners? What are you doing around town? What's happening with you on and off the air? Yep, uh, thanks to Embajador Tequila. Uh, we're back at uh, the Rockstar Bar and Grill tomorrow for Thursday Night Football. Uh, they're doing things on the weekends for college football. Uh, on Saturdays, NFL games. Uh, on Sundays, they got you know all-you-can-drink. Mm-hmm. Uh, meal vouchers that they've got going on, and I'll be able to get all the information out on that. And then every Saturday before a home game uh, here at Allegiant Stadium, we'll both be over uh, at the Rockstar Bar and Grill, thanks to Embajador Tequila. Uh, so I uh, love them. Realty One Group, uh, you know, they're doing their thing. If you need a house, if you need uh, to, to uh, sell your house, that's the place to go. But uh, absolutely, Rockstar Bar and Grill, Monday nights, Thursday nights, Saturday nights, and even if you want to go catch the game, if you can't go to Allegiant Stadium, Go check out uh, uh, all the specials that they have there. Thank you, Vinny. Have a good trip. We'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you. Thank you, JT. You got it. There he is, Vinny Bonsignor, one of our great insiders, brought to you by the Botanist Gin. I always say Remy Martin team up for excellence. You got to go to this website, thebotanist.com, and see how this gin is taking over the world, how they make it. They have an unbelievable film on the website. And wherever you go throughout Vegas, you're starting to see botanist parties, pool parties. What a brand to be associated with. Remy Martin, part of the team, team up for excellence with the Botanist Gin. Love everything about our partnership with Remy. We wouldn't have this show unless Remy really fueled what I do here every day. Appreciate the botanist, and I appreciate Vinny Bonsignor joining us here there. Start fast. Run the ball. We're all over the place this week. And I got to sit down with the coach tomorrow. I enjoy our conversations. I think Josh McDaniels has done a really good job in front of the media with the team and everything he's trying to do here as he moves his family here. His son's playing football in another state. He's a human being. He's trying to win, and all he did was win. He's got six Super Bowl rings. He's in the building with a winning mentality and the coaches he brought and the scouts that he brought. But now the tough test. This is why you hire Josh McDaniels. This is why you bring in Patrick Graham. You bring him in to have a plan in place to beat Kansas City. If Al Davis was with us today, and Mark Davis is, and you know what I think of Mark, is that they expect to win these games. Those gentlemen are not saying we need to keep it close. I am. I'm doing a radio show. I'm saying, hey, keep it close, man. Anything can happen, man. Win with the two minutes to go. The gentlemen, the women, everyone behind the scenes who are in this organization expect to win every game. And they prepare to win every game at that gorgeous facility in Henderson, man. I mean, they got everything in that building from nutrition, coaches, indoor practice fields, outdoor practice fields. They got it all, meeting rooms to really be prepared for a game like this. And it's Vegas. It's not Kansas City. Again, I've been to Kansas City once. I'm really not going back. I like it in Vegas. I like the beaches of California. I'm from New York. Uh, I, I'm not crazy about Kansas City. I'm not knocking it. as I wouldn't live there. If the last job in all the radio was in Philly or Kansas City and said, JT, you, I'd say, I'm fine. Why do you think I worked 26 years? I don't have to move to Philly or Kansas City. I know great Kansas City Chief fans. 
but I'm with the Raider Nation, and the Raider Nation has to win this game at all cost. Start fast, be physical, and the Raider fans who are traveling to that place, give those guys and gals credit. You know Gorilla Rill is going. Violator, Senior, all of our friends from Modelo will be out there. They love to go there. They let they let Rilla wear his mask when he goes in there. They ask for autographs when he's there. Man, those guys really represent the franchise and go to games. Love the fans that travel on the road. JT will wrap it up next. I understand. I respect their their frustrations as fans. I, I get it. You know, I, I shoot. I was in Carolina when when you know when we showed up there and they were two and fourteen. And I heard the frustration. We worked our butts off to try and get it to where it was. You know, I got here. I understand everybody's frustration, especially how proud this organization is. This organization's got five championships. Are you kidding me? I get it. I understand how important it is to win. Okay, but I got to be realistic with what we have and what we're going to do. Ron Rivera, I think I'm a friend of his. I see him every year. I used to be up there with him at Gene Upshaw's tournament, which is a big one from the NFL. And then I see him with Gridiron Greats this year, and he won a big award that I presented to him. And he took a job with a really bad owner in Daniel Snyder, who I think will be gone by this time next year. I've made that prediction over the Gruden emails and everything else. Daniel Snyder, I believe, will be gone. And Ron Rivera is a damn good leader of men and a good coach, and he doesn't have a quarterback. He's really struggling, Carson Wentz. And the team really doesn't have much of an identity. They play in a terrible stadium, and their fans are furious. You know, Raider fans are playing in the nicest stadium, arguably, in football, one of the top two or three. Fans know that there's been some ups and downs here, but I think the fans are behind the Raiders and what they're doing. Not the case there in the nation's capital. That is a really tough gig, no doubt about it. So we talked about Judge versus Bonds, and again, I have no problem with Bonds as a human being. I have a problem with Bonds as a baseball player and what he did because I thought it was all about greed for him. And it's about greed for a lot of people. A lot of people look at other people in the stock market, real estate, their jobs, could be some coworker of yours and they're having success and you're not. And then all of a sudden you'll cut corners to catch up to that person. That's exactly what happened with Bonds. And McGuire cheated to the point where he came out publicly and apologized after he wouldn't speak on the record in front of Congress. In front of Congress he wouldn't speak. So he was guilty. And then it took him years to apologize to who? The Maris family. Remember the Maris family that was following Judge followed McGuire. And sat in the front row, and McGuire went into the crowd and hugged the Maris family, knowingly cheating. And it took a lot for McGuire to finally come clean. And we're going to sit here and say, Bond, why didn't Bonds come clean? Everybody knows Bonds cheated because Bonds doesn't want to admit it. And he doesn't want to admit it because he doesn't want the drama of it. Look, Pete Rose, friend of the show. It took Pete a long time. He lied to me. He lied to a lot of people, everyone, about betting on baseball. He finally came clean. Right to write a book, but then he sincerely came clean. Pete's been on Howard Stern. He's been on every talk to Bob Costas. He's told everybody he's that he lied and he came clean. What did it do for Pete? To get him in the Hall of Fame? Did nothing. So that's why Clemens or Bonds or these other guys don't want to talk about it because their mind is tricking them, saying, "Man, man, if you don't admit it, you might still get into the Hall of Fame." No, you won't. They're not going to let you in. 
Now, there are new sports writers now that are 20 years old, 25 years old, and someday they'll be 40, and they'll be voting in the Hall of Fame. And they never saw Bonds play. So then they'll start reading stats and go, you know, I wasn't alive during that. I'll vote him in. And then maybe they'll have the chance to do that. But Judge, Judge did it the right way. He did do it the right way. You know who had the most to lose of all these people? I always said it was Alex Rodriguez. A-Rod came into the league as a phenom. Right, He was just a man among boys at 19. He didn't need to cheat. Then he cheated for the money, went to Texas, cheated, went to the Yankees, cheated, did all of that. Got kicked out of baseball for a year. One of the greatest baseball players to ever live. It's the same conversation with Bonds. Do you think that A-Rod needed steroids? No. A-Rod would have been one of the greats of all time, but he got greedy for money and did it. Same way Bonds did. And I think McGuire did it because he was breaking down and he did it for health reasons. I think McGuire was physically always breaking down and he did it to strengthen himself and to try to be healthy enough to play. So, again, it's a big conversation and it rubs people the wrong way. I understand it. But, Judge, what a class act. And the fact that he did this during a contract year. There are two players right now as we sit here today. What's today's date? Today's October 5th, 2022. Lamar Jackson not playing on a new contract, and Aaron Judge. That takes guts. Those guys are going to make, well, Judge should make anywhere from three to $400 million, and that would be close to half a billion if he plays it right with memorabilia. And same with Lamar Jackson. But Lamar Jackson could get franchise tagged. Oh, and he's not going to like that because he doesn't have an agent. He has his mom. Wait till the Ravens tell him, we're good. We're just going to franchise tag you. And then we're going to franchise tag you the next year. That's what you're able to do in this league. Nice job, Bobby. Appreciate you doing this today. As always, Vinny Bonsignor, Bill Williamson, Tyvon Branch. That was a really cool conversation. That will live on the Raiders Podcasting Network. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Now I'm a part of the Raiders Roundtable. Tomorrow I will be with the coach at 11 a.m. interviewing him, and then I'm flying all the way. Any helicopter help? I got to get from Henderson to TPC Summerlin. To host the show from the Shriners, a day I look forward to every year, being out on that beautiful golf course. Cues on deck. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening, as always.